You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 254, Machine Head. Hosted by Dan Terry. I bought the holy fucking shit edition of this. And Joseph Wren. Excuse me, sir. I'm the genre police. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you're followed around by a therapist swinging a 10-ton hammer, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Happy New Year, everybody. We're talking about Machine Head. It's 2022. We made it. We, we survived. I mean, kind of. I've only got one leg. Nobody knows where Jeff is. Hey, y'all. I mean, it's just kind of one of those uh, things. But, uh, you know, we, we hope that this show is something that you can count on. That, you know, no matter what, hell or high water, we're going to have an episode out every week. Well, maybe during hell. I don't know about high water. I mean, if there's a flood, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably push the show back. Just because the recording date gets pushed back doesn't mean the release date gets compromised. 1,000%. I'm about to go, you know, to, to, to Florida for a week, and you guys aren't even going to know. You're not going to know. They know now, Dan. They're going to know. Well, if you're, if, you're, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're down there at a certain uh, very popular attraction, let me know, because uh, I'll be there. And I decided there was no better way to start off 2022 than to talk about Machine Head, a band that, again, everybody's like, yeah, I was looking through your episodes, and I can't seem to find the Machine Head episode. And I'm like, yeah, it's because we haven't done it yet. And they're like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, a lot of things. Where would you like for me to begin? Machine Head is one of those heavy metal bands that has gone through the changes we all know and love. It started off with that Pantera vibe, a little bit of groove metal, a little bit of thrash. They tried the new metal thing. You know what? It worked better than it should have. But I'm glad in 2022, Machine Head is a heavy metal band that, for better or for worse, just captures the vibe I expect when listening to this genre. I like the fact that the music sounds like it's being played by human beings. The guitars have the stock effects that they use for the intro and the outro that were heavily influenced by 80s thrash and they don't really let up on those tricks it sounds like music that you could play and record and write not in that order yourself i mean i couldn't i i don't know how to play the guitar or the drums i mean i can kind of play the guitar but not like not like these guys can uh i, I would have a hard time making making these albums uh and i think machine head had a hard time making these albums uh, from what i can tell with the amount of members that have been in this band it's not like you know zeo levels of of different members but <laughs> you know you you've got a band with a charismatic lead singer who basically is the band, something that we are familiar with on this show, uh, bands that are led by one person. When you think of Machine Head, you think of Rob Flynn. He's just the guy who's always going to have a new Machine Head album out, and uh, he's not going to let you down unless you hate new metal. But even then, he only he will let you down a couple of times. He didn't let me down. I feel like Rob Flynn is one of those lead vocalists slash guitarists that has been there for me the whole time. It's like a Slayer vibe. Kerry King's always going to be there. He's always going to be shredding, and it's going to be great. Rob Flynn just has the vocals in the pocket, so he has more tools in the tool chest. He definitely has a lot of things in his reserve that I was not prepared for in certain situations, most notably the last album, which we will talk about later. But yeah, I mean, Machine Head is one of, I think, the most prolific metal bands from the 90s that has continued on through today. And has gone through, has gone through the modernization process pretty well, to the point where they eventually start to do the throwback thing, which is kind of interesting, you know, because we've got like a lot of new metal bands that are popping out of the woodwork nowadays that are doing the throwback thing. Even Limp Biscuits doing the throwback thing. <laughs> but uh, Machine Head, I mean, they lived through all of that. They evolved away from that, and then they kind of went back into that. So it's, it's a little interesting to say the least. Well, before Dan asks for another dueling guitar solo, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will 
We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And uh, apparently, as of the recording of this episode, Spotify is going to start letting you guys leave reviews for podcasts. I don't know if they're written reviews. I don't know a whole lot about it other than that. But uh, there will be some sort of rating system put in place. So uh, if you want to get in on that Spotify rating action, make sure to do that. And uh, keep sharing the episodes, guys. And the most important thing we've got going on here in 2022 is sponsorship if you are in a band and you want us to give your band a shout out or a recommendation of some type and you'd like to sponsor one of our episodes send us an email at dan and joe show at gmail.com and we will talk about how we can help you help us help you speaking of people that help us i would like to take this moment to talk about our wonderful patrons and by talk about them i mean I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say their names and give them shout-outs because they are like our basically our shareholders at this point. And that is Evan Merkel. Welcome to the fold. Lost Fiction. Kyle Driver. Timu Rantilia. Well done. Dangerous Dave. Ryan Rowe. Richard Renz. Big T. Big T. Brandon Miranda. Ken Zapla. Tantalized Fungins. Best name ever. Jeremy Prince. Josh Moser. David Brown, Samuel Woodward, Brian the Dean, it's me, comma, Brave, Lance Allegood, the King of Metal, Alexander, Patrick Asland, and Jeffrey De Los Santos, the actual Mac. Thank you guys so much for your contributions to our podcast. We love hanging out with you guys every month. Let's keep them going. Over on Twitter, we got a comment from Nightpain69420. Nice. Funny y'all should mention Mushroom Head in relation to Cyclone 9. Stitch directed the music video for Parasitic. They toured together pretty extensively, shared some members live, and several of the current slash X members were in the band Columbine from Columbus, Ohio. I did not know that. But once you start getting around, you know, that area, you start seeing uh, you start seeing some sort of connection to Mushroom Head. They're in your subconscious. You mean like evil in darkness? You know, like evil and darkness, you know? That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you gotta have a bad day. So, Dan, tell me about Machine Head. Oh, sorry, I was playing air guitar. Machine Head is an American heavy metal band from Oakland, California. Sounds like I'm reading off the back of a box. Like, Machine Head is the premier American heavy metal band from Oakland, California. Uh, but in a lot of ways, they are. They, they started in 1991 uh, by Rob Flynn, obviously, who plays the guitar real good and does the vocals real good and um they basically came out of the ashes or at least rob did of a band called violence uh which was a thrash band i believe which makes a whole lot of sense considering you know 1991 uh you know bay area yeah it's it's gonna be a thrash band like it's just going to be but uh machine head while having a little bit of thrash elements to their sound over the years really had more of a deep-rooted beginning in groove metal which as you guys all know is not always my favorite style of music because it reminds me of another band uh, you know, <laughs> called Pantera, who I'm not the biggest fan of. But I think what it really boils down to is I'm not the biggest fan of Groove overall, but there are some bands that stand out. And when we start looking at the early Machine Head albums, you know, I'll tell you what I liked about them. My biggest joy this week was hearing the classic thrash tricks that come with all of your favorite bands. You've got two guitarists, you've got a vocalist who can stay in the pocket, can be melodic when needed, but is being aggressively melodic at times. Then you hear these very simple, very dry uses of guitar effects, and the mixes just fall into place. You could mix this down and put it on a cassette and it would fit right in most of the time. For me, that's something you only hear when a band like Metallica decides to throw back and play thrash again. But Machine Head's been doing it the whole time. So take the modern sensibilities of production and throw them out the window. This is heavy music being played by a heavy band. Not not heavy as in the col- you know caloric intake <laughs> necessarily. They're they're slimmer than I am by 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 a milestone. Probably like two of them. But uh, yeah, they're they're really heavy in a way that I think has somewhat been lost. They don't they don't go for the for the for the bass drop crunk like everybody else does. 
nowadays. They're kind of like, you could almost call them a throwback band, but I would just say a band that understands what their vision is, which is to be heavy, to play genuinely heavy riffs, have fast, intense, sort of um, driving, groovy, I don't want to say sections, but just groovy passages and keeping the atmosphere heavy at all times. It's not the most dynamic music in the world, but it gets the job done, especially on these early records. 1994. Burn my eyes is what I say to the sun every time I go outside. Yeah, I mean, it does try to burn your eyes. Machine Head tries to burn our eyes here. I have to admit, for for the year this came out, this was much heavier than I was expecting it to be. Stylistically, it's it's very on par with what I would expect, but I was actually kind of blown away just at the savagery of the drums, that that, that nice constant double kick. Rob Flynn's barking all the vocals, um, but you know, like Joe said, he can be melodically aggressive when he wants to. I don't believe there's any power ballads here. There's no, you know, Rob Flynn can sing relatively well, but it's more of more of kind of that deeper groove metal Phil Anselmo sort of sound. I'm not 100% sure that Rob Flynn has found his voice yet on this record, but I mean, he absolutely does what he needs to do. I like, I just like the sheer machine-like precision that you find on this album. But as Joe said earlier, it still sounds very human because everybody's going to say, well, Dan, Fear Factory's Soul of a New Machine sounded very, very mechanical, uh, you know, in comparison. And yeah, there's a reason for that. They, they love robots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with Machine Head, uh, I don't know. I'm I really like it. it. Sounds it sounds like what it's called, like what it is on the tin. It sounds like a machine. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. It's it's heavy. It's in your face. It's not my favorite uh, by Machine Head. I think their next one actually tops it in a lot of ways. But I was very surprised at the mix of kind of thrash and groove metal and keeping it up tempo. I think a lot of groove bands tend to slow it down to the point where it almost becomes sludgy. And this is just clean, in your face, moderately hard to play music. I don't want to say technical because now that actually means something else, but uh, it's very proficient music. It's a very, very solid release. And I can understand why everybody thought Machine Head was like the coolest band ever uh, when this came out. Although ironically, the band didn't really do that well in the U.S. at this time. They kind of had more more fans in Europe than they had in the U.S., which is kind of strange to me. This is an album driven by musicians that clearly love Cowboys from Hell and Vulgar Display of Power. That is fine. If you're going to set a blueprint for what your song structure is going to be, there's few bands you could do better than Pantera in 1994 from a heavy metal perspective. When a band like Metallica is trying to transition and be alternative, as good as that may have been, here's a band that can play guitar and is not afraid to play guitar and is not afraid to thrash and be aggressive. It's not Pantera light. It just has some cosmetic similarities. That might be the producer more than the band. But what I'm listening to is heavy music played by people. And it's making me want to start a circle pit in the office. It doesn't let up. I agree with Dan. It's not the best, but it is the first. And it's one of those starting points that you just have to acknowledge because it could get better. It did get better. 1997. The more things change. The heavier they get. I think it's the, uh, <laughs> it is how you finish that. Uh, this record is the next one on, or this record is the last one on steroids. It's heavier, it's sludgier, it's crunchier. Rob Flynn is more aggressive as a vocalist. It's more of a perfection on their original sound than it necessarily is an evolution in sound. But don't worry, we'll get there sooner than you think. But I really like this one. I think he sounds a little bit more like Anselmo in this one, though, uh, which is what I meant by sounding like a more aggressive vocalist. But he will complement it by adding in some, like, uh, they're not really clean vocals. I'm trying to remember exactly how Rob Flynn described his own voice. Um, like, I think he just said it was, like, melodic screaming or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, no. He, Flynn refers to it as barking in key, uh, which is, I mean, basically what he does. He, he never has really those smooth, clean breaks like you'd get out of a Slipknot or a, you know, or a Demon Hunter or anything like that. Like, he always keeps it kind of like there's just like a layer of crap all over everything, you know? Um, it's just, it's always going to sound dirty. It's going to be like that 
lived in Star Wars Cantina vocally, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> it's it's dirty. Somebody should sweep the floor, but like don't. We like the way that that sounds. Um, but yeah, I think this one was harder. It was more driving. It was more in your face. Um, I do have to ask you a question, Joe. Joe, it's been bothering me. How different is a 10-ton hammer from a primal concrete sledge? The theory is in the physical dimensions of the hammer, not so much the density of the material. The real question is, can they get the job done in one swing? And how in the world is that tiny woman swinging that giant hammer? I mean, it's a really good question. I like how you answered my question with a question. We're going to move on, though. <laughs> I love this, I, I love this album. And one thing that I that I think is kind of cool, too, is that uh, Rob Flynn is a very outspoken vocalist and that his lyrics are less about being evil like a lot of his friends' bands were. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, like, I'm pissed off type of songs. Uh, there's a lot of that on the Burning Red. Uh, but this one, I don't know. I like that Rob Flynn kind of talks about world events and stuff, whether you agree with him or disagree with him. Um, it's interesting to me that he has something to say. Um, I think eventually it gets to the point later on in their career where it gets a little tiring, but, uh, here, I think it's still fresh. It's also funny. Even on the last record, I forgot to mention how, you know, a song starts off and it's like in 1994 corruption is and I was like, wow, don't ever say the name of the year. Don't ever say what year it is in the song. It's going to it's gonna always age the song. I mean, come on, Rob Flynn. It's not like in 2021, the corruption's not a thing that exists in our world. You, you didn't have to lock it into 1994. That's not even a criticism. That's a horrible attempt at being funny on my part. But I think you understand. Just don't say it. Don't say the year. Just roll with it. But yeah, I think this record, The More Things Change, is heavier. It's more solid. And I can completely understand with a record like this why everybody hated the next one so much. <laughs> To me, this album is a perfect example of what groove metal used to be. There's a difference between the band playing heavy music and what Dimebag Daryl was able to do with the guitar. So while that may have been groove metal, this is what I think groove metal is. It's this strange midpoint between thrash metal, dissonant, hardcore, and then heavy metal. So call it heavy metal because that's basically what it is. And it's 1997. Music was changing. Popular genres were changing. And here is Machine Head still doing the heavy metal thing. I think there is some aggression here that was not present in 100% of your favorite bands. So Machine Head would not let you down if you're a fan of the previous record. I've heard these two albums referred to as Pantera Light. That's not what they are. Just because you can mix a kick drum and make it sound tinny does not mean that you're trying to be Vinnie Paul. It's somebody trying to cash in on what was popular and trying to pull as much out of it. It's just a decision that someone made at the time with a production schedule and a producer who had made how many albums that week and mixed how many records that week. And we really like this sound. We want to try to recreate that, but we want to make it our own. Machine Head is just fucking heavy. It's 97. It's fucking heavy music. Can I uh, can I can I go into a segment that we have only visited once so far on this show? The uh, Dan reads a totally messed up review of this album and that three he found on the internet. Two, one. So uh, I, I can only assume that this music reviewer thinks that they're being funny. Uh, but this was found on nme.com. Don't worry, you won't accidentally stumble upon this review because. I had to go back to the Wayback Machine to find it. But uh, this guy named uh, Mark Beaumont, I'm going to read you what he thinks of this record. Welcome to the dark side of New Grave. Please leave your tunes at the door. I think it's supposed to be the dark side of a new grave, dude, because you forgot the A. You really should have double checked that. Uh, please leave your tunes at the door and don't feed the zombies. Yup. While the pop world grabs its big coat and heads for the windswept hills, it seems the hardcore scene has stopped all that cheerful church-burning business. But aside Metallica's wuss music, put aside Metallica's wuss music, I'm thinking that was what, Load? 1997? That was Load, right? I'm going to let it go for now, because Load is an entertaining record. Hey, I, this, is, this is not my words. This is Mark Beaumont. Uh, <laughs> they put aside Metallica's wuss music and chose it instead to feel Rob Flynn's pain. Thus, the second album from Oakland's Machine Head will rocket to the top 20, despite being the sound of a warthog swearing loudly for 40 minutes. I mean, I don't see how that's a bad thing. And ooh, Rob's fractured soul giving him uh, grief, something rotten this time around. 
He has known the depths of agony that only a very hairy man with a tonsil infection can truly know. I am the thing that makes you sick, he gurgles astutely on 10-ton hammer. You'll never understand my rage, he howls incoherently on Take My Scars. Happy bunny time it is not. Not that you can understand a single satanic word he grunts since Logan Mater's guitars manage a fair impression of a herd of steamrollers mating throughout. It would take cast iron ears to tell the difference between, say, the front lines, Warthog breaks cover, spine, Warthog's crushed under rampant steamroller, and violate swoony lemonhead style ballad. Oh no, sorry. Warthog dies in a pool of its own vomit. The more things change may quite possibly be the heaviest album in the world, and thus appealing to the hordes of musical ma- uh, uh, I can't even finish this. Like the, the editing is so bad. I guess what I'm trying to say is he didn't like it because it was too heavy, which completely blows my mind. Like when somebody's like, hey, you want to listen to the new Machine Head record? And it's 1997. And you're like, well, I don't really like metal at all, but I guess I'll listen to it. I mean, that that's how you get a one out of 10, you know, sort of rating like this. This just blew my mind because as I was reading it, I was like, even in even in, in 1997, it just seems like I couldn't believe that they still make people like this. When you say the words machine head, you're not talking about a side mission of cyberpunk. You're talking about a heavy fucking band. And even if you've never heard it before, you want to hear it now. Something about those two words put together in 1997. Where do we start the pit? I don't even care anymore. The band is called Machine Head. Elbows are out. Let's fucking go. Mind blown. 1999, The Burning Red. Well, I think, first of all, you need to go get that checked out. If it's red and it's burning, it may be something you got yourself or it could be something that you got from someone else. But maybe you need to take inventory of everybody that you've been close with. What if it is a three-leaved plant that is climbing the tree in the backyard? I think it'll be all right then. I wouldn't worry about it. The Burning Red is the, uh, I believe it is the record that launched them into the level of popularity that they have now. But I think this is a hard birthing process for the fans. Because if you're a Pantera fan, you're a Thrash fan, you're, you know, all the horrible things that were described in that review I just read. If you're one of those guys, you're going to have a lot of trouble with this record because you're going to be all like, wait a minute, these guys are trying to do what's popular now. Because I don't know about you, but I like to eat. Uh, but I don't think that this is the sellout record that everybody that everybody says it is. Like, is it new metal? Rob Flynn will tell you, no, it is not new metal. He's wrong. This is definitely a new metal record. Right down to the tuning of the guitars, right down to the semi-screamed, semi-rapped vocals. Although, uh, to quote Andrew Schwab, it's not really rapping. It's more like just yelling in time. You know, it's not really, uh, you know, there's no rhyming or stanzas being written or anything of that nature. Honestly, for, for the year this came out in 1999, this sounds to me the way new metal bands are going to sound for the next two to three years. Just in your face, down tune, driving, more simplified riffs. You don't have like the level of solos that you had on previous Machine Head records. And uh, Rob Flynn sounds a little bit more like Corey Taylor and less like uh, Phil Anselmo on this record. And I'm here for it because he sounds more angry this way. He sounds more edgy. I think that when you play in a groove metal band, you sound like a 40-year-old dude. When you, when you play in a new metal band, you sound like a 22-year-old. So it almost sounds like he's gone back in time as far as his level of angst. What else could you want in an album that comes out in 1999? sludgy guitar parts that randomly go into these clean funky things and then just as quickly go into chorus driven onslaughts i think this might be a perfect new metal record by a band that is clearly not new metal i'm getting a my ticket home vibe listening to this one like they had this in them and they did it and it's great and like you said it's not new metal well it came out in 1999 and it very much resembles a style that people would refer to as new metal. And I'm sure you got more attention from the general music fan when you showed up to play the show. But it still fits with what the band has on tape. If you go to see Machine Head and they play 
anything from the first three records. The only thing that really doesn't fit is the staccato rapping vocals. But when he's not doing that thing, it works for all the same reasons that Corey Taylor might be the greatest living male rock lead singer. It goes without saying, and I'm not going to read the review because I already did, but let's just say the same website criticized the band for wanting to be for being what they were, which was their first two records, like criticized them for being a, a groove metal band and all this crap. But then the Burning Red comes out and they turn around and say, well, that's not OK either. You guys are just aping the style of what's popular now and you guys are laying down some lame white boy raps and you guys shouldn't have even tried and uh you know his his band's lumbering gristle is no match for the chilling metal slash hip-hop synthesis cooked up by bands like corner limp biscuit uh the genre splice is as clumsy as it is unconvincing it makes me wonder like where what record were they listening to because i actually think that this record is good overall do i think that it's the most original thing that machine head could have put out no i don't i don't think that we've gotten there yet but i think that like as a heavy album i can understand why groove metal fans wouldn't like it but what i don't understand is how people find it is repulsively unlistenable as they do i found it to be very entertaining overall and was actually a pretty pleasant experience because the songs were a little bit more catchy. They were they, they were a little bit more um, memorable than what we'd had previous. I mean, like straight metal is great, but it's not always a memorable genre. And so here's the band trying to do something different. And yeah, it may not necessarily be the most original thing in the world, but I think that they pulled it off really well. Just my opinion. That's something worth mentioning because it's been true the whole time. When you listen to the guitars being played, they're not played with robotic precision but they are played very well. And that is something that will follow through the entire discography. I've said it a few times and I'm gonna say it once more. This sounds like heavy music played by actual people, not music that was produced to the grid and made as robotic as possible. For something that is called Machine Head, it is not robotic in its presentation. Well, and I like what Rob Flynn himself said in reference to this album, he goes, there's a minute and a half of rapping on this album. The other 53 minutes of the record are like a giant scar being ripped open while I projectile vomit through it. If all people got out of the Burning Red was rap metal, then they didn't listen to it. Are you ready for Supercharger? I am. Let's do this. 2001. Well, I'm really, really, really sorry if you hated the Burning Red. This record is arguably more new metal than the last one. However, I don't think that's a bad thing because they had made an attempt to actually go in and add a little bit more of that like traditional metal or some of that groove metal sound back into it but overall we we get the same level of aggression that we got on the burning red in 2001 when your band is being discussed by diehard fans who can't believe you went new metal and general heavy music fans who don't give a shit that you went kind of new metal for one minute and 37 seconds or whatever the time was that Rob Flynn said. When you give me a heavy, dry enough record that is groovy, but also has some precise thrash-like staccato guitar playing in the first five minutes, what you're telling me is I'm about to listen to a heavy metal record. And in 2001, that wasn't the most common thing. But like Dan said, where they do try to sneak in that groove and that thrash-like precision, there's even more new metal, but it's fine. It's machine head. This is what they're giving me up to this point. They're giving heavy music that sounds like human beings got together, and what you have now is the newest album. This one works very well for me. Well, yeah, I think that, like, yeah, it's more new metal in a lot of ways. But I do think that, you know, from a meathead perspective, it is pound for pound heavier than The Burning Red. It's a darker record than The Burning Red. Uh, it's it's certainly more angry <laughs> than The Burning Red, probably because everybody made fun of The Burning Red. But I think the biggest travesty of this album is I think this could have been a really good selling new metal album if it hadn't come out on October 2nd, 2001. Uh, and, and that the lead single hadn't been a song called Crashing Around You, which featured Rob Flynn in a city with buildings falling all around him. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is it didn't go over very well here in the, in the United States. And uh, that that kind of just absolutely took away any momentum that this record could have had. It was stopped dead in the water. To be fair, there were a lot of records that were stopped dead in the water that year. A lot of good records. Like what, Joe? 
Oh yeah, there was that Power Man 5000. But as we discovered, he's the one. Spider Spider One is the one who decided not to release that record. And his reason was it sounds too much like the last one, man. I'm so glad I have a digital version of that. I think Supercharger is a record that, again, mostly got ignored. But I actually kind of like this super aggressive, almost hardcore um, approach to new metal. Uh, there's another band that we like to talk about on the show every now and again called Travail. And uh, it's very similar. Um, it's very similar in that like halfway point between being hardcore, but uh, also being very new metal in its approach. Seriously, so what does of, all of this mean? Yeah, I get a lot of that. Uh, I get a lot of, of travail vibes off of this thing, even though I know obviously most people are going to associate this sound with Machine Head as they should. But uh, you know, you can go, you can go listen to my travail interview on Discuss Metal. <laughs> I not every member of that band. Anyway, uh, what does that say? That says that you know a lot of these guys out there playing hardcore metalcore now. Yeah, they grew up listening to new metal, and that's okay. We we like we like new metal on the show. We're we're, we're official new metal supporters. Uh, to me, just because a band plays new metal doesn't mean I should discount it entirely. Um, I like listening to I like listening to songs and then deciding if those songs are enjoyable to me or not. Uh, and if I'm gonna throw a genre over it at the end of it, I can do that for categorization purposes. But uh, I don't have like an instant turnoff button. And so I think going into this record with that spirit, again, I think this is a very dark, heavy, enjoyable Machine Head record that doesn't share a lot of similarities with their origins. But you know, you can't play groove metal. You know what? After 1999, you really can't and not get away with it. You do whatever you want, but I mean, I, as far as selling records goes, I mean... 2003, Through the Ashes of Empires. Now, isn't this one interesting? This is the album where I officially got on the train. I had seen Machine Head, just hadn't spent a lot of time with the band. But here we are in 2003, and I'm shopping for whatever CDs came out on New Release Tuesday. Through the Ashes of Empires, seven bucks. I'll give it a shot. I was not disappointed. I didn't know what I was expecting, but what I got was a heavy metal band, not a new metal band. And I would not have been surprised to hear a new metal band, but I heard all of those 80s thrash metal tricks brought forward and given some better production. And I've been a fan ever since. When I sit down and play guitar with a limited effects pedal board and I use those effects to create soundscapes. I'm not trying to be Brian Patton's favorite shoegaze band. I'm trying to create a challenging thrash metal sound, even though I'm not playing thrash metal. That's something that was very common at the time. It was something that was extremely common because of everything Head and Monkey did and what Wes Borland did. And here's Machine Head, who's just playing heavy fucking music. What else could you possibly want? It doesn't really sound like we listen to Pantera anymore, but Rob Flynn just sounds like Rob Flynn now. I think that there were definitely some building blocks up to this because they dropped the new metal almost completely on this record. Uh, they they did not survive the uh, the 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 nine eleven new metal purge uh, as we've come to refer to it as. This is just a very straight ahead. It has groove metal, I think, as its base, but has the has the pace of thrash. Does a lot of those thrash tricks. Um, it's just a heavy in your face, technically proficient ball buster of a record. And I would say that this is the first record where the machine head, as we know them today, the machine head that you expect whenever you hear the band name. This is the sound that you're expecting. And uh, I think they pulled off really well. Rob Flynn, you know, like you said, Joe, sounds like Rob Flynn now. He he doesn't. I'm not comparing him to Corey Taylor. I'm not comparing him to Phil Anselmo. He has his own delivery, and I like his mixture of clean and heavy vocals more than I like most people's in the sense that he can seamlessly move between the two, and it's never a gimmick. It's never a trick, and I like the way he's able to just pull a melody out of something that's otherwise not really that melodic, barking in key indeed. But yeah, this record absolutely dominates for me. Um, it's heavy. It is in your face. I think the production is is absolutely like chef's kiss. And uh, I believe this was actually self-produced by Rob Flynn. So, uh, you know, he definitely made those guitars sound real good. This is the closest you're going to get to a classic sounding machine head record. Hey, Joe, did you hear the little hit, little hint, a uh, little bit of Gothenburg influence that has crept, crept its way in? to the machine head sound i mean i'm here for it because they're not just rewriting at the gate songs but uh there's a little bit of that about that gothenburg magic in there just like a 
just like a little, 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 just, you know, what do they call that? A uh, smackerel of, of uh, Gothenburg. I was going to suggest that the band picked up some metalcore influences because we play Same the thing. breakdowns real slow and then we play the not breakdown real fast and then we start barking over the chorus and everything's fine. I wouldn't say metalcore necessarily, but I could see, I could see how you would think that because... You know, Rob screams. He does play breakdowns, but he plays metal breakdowns, not hardcore breakdowns. Let me let me let me go get out my breakdown ruler. I'll come back. I'll tell you what kind of breakdown it is. But in all seriousness, um, you saw a lot of that. You know, they, they credit Machine Head as being one of the pioneering bands in the new wave of American heavy metal, which was all just like metalcore bands. But Machine Head really wasn't here. But this is a very interesting, like metalcore adjacent album. That if you were a fan of metalcore and you picked this up, you'd be like, wow, this is like, this is actually really good. And let, let's hope that you would be like, I'm going to check out more bands that play like this kind of thrashy type of stuff. Uh, because for whatever reason, they're taking what most people would consider to be dated sounds and making them sound very modern. It's not quite the Doom 2016 of, of, of music, but... It is uh, it is very uh, interesting how heavy some of these older styles actually are whenever you give them modern production. And it sounds like the band you're going to go see when they play live, not an overly produced studio version of what we think would sound good if we had 27 more members. Not a big fan of Arch Spire, are you, Joe? <laughs> 2006, The Blackening. So this is the one where they go straight black metal. No, I'm kidding. They, they don't, but Black is the end. They should though. They should. They should have gone black metal on this one. It would have been amazing. Here, Rob Flynn just, going, you know, the whole time. Like it'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, this record's just gnarly, man. It, and again, it's it's really it's a lot like their last record. It's just that it's again, it sounds better. This one's a little bit has a little bit of metalcore in it. I'll give it that. Um, it's heavier. It's more intense. It's more in your face uh, than necessarily what we're used to with Machine Head. They, they, they are hitting their, their peak of heaviness in these years. And Rob compliments it again with his, his clean vocal delivery, which sounds really good to hear. It's just interesting to me, again, how adjacent this is to metalcore while still upholding the traditions of, of heavy metal and being a legitimate metal release in a sea of bands that just copied riffs from overseas bands and hope you didn't notice. You're talking about how heavy the record is during the first two minutes of the album where it is the most thrash it could possibly be we're going to lead in with a very slow paced acoustic guitar riff we're going to fade the drums in and here come the distorted guitars and now we're going to be epic and just explode the riffs all over you that's not what happens oh god i feel like i need a napkin after that comment <laughs> i don't know if i can leave that in the show We'll find out. You're the one that you're the one that said explodes all over. Anyway, those were your words, not mine. <laughs> this is how we get that E for explicit rating. It's 2007. Did you want a heavy record that wasn't metalcore? Don't say yes, because I know you didn't. But here was Machine Head still doing what Machine Head is known for. They're playing extremely heavy and groovy metal songs. Rob Flynn is barking his fucking throat out. I can't say anything else. What else did you want in 2007? I mean, didn't didn't Zayos, The Fear is What Keeps Us Here, come out like the year before that? Yeah, I wanted this. That's fine. I did. I, I'm happy to have both. Um, <laughs> but one thing, you know, speaking of that, um, the production on these on these last two records have been phenomenal. It sounds as good as this kind of music can sound before you start having to add artificial means of heaviness into it. You know, the riffs the riffs crunch as hard as they can crunch. The vocals are screamed as hard as they can be screamed. Um, but one thing that Machine Head has going for them that a lot of bands of their ilk don't is melody. Rob Flynn is Rob Flynn can write a chorus and it, it works and uh, he gets better and better at it on each release. Um, and that's something that, that is hard for metal bands. I think sometimes to get to is a point of being able to write songs that will appeal to more than just people that are here to punch you in the pit. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with bands that do that. I love bands that only do that. Love you. Napalm death. Never change. There are aspects of this band that you can point and say that's where they went kind of new metal. But realistically, when you look at the albums as a whole, we are seeing the same toolbox used in a different order to a different degree throughout the discography. 
I know we're three albums from the end, but I feel like Machine Head is a sure thing at this point. I would agree with you until we get to 2018, but we're not there yet. <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some bugs here. 2011 unto the locust. Do you know what Machine Head needed? Epic you know? melodic vocals. They wanted to go. They, I almost feel like they wanted to like throw some power metal into the mix here because you're getting that that clean melodic sort of power metal sound. I mean, when you listen to the intro, which is like uh, Sonata and C. I mean, you know, I am hell, whatever. Um, you start off with this like super super power metal intro. I feel like Rob Flynn has ghost at this point. It's entirely possible. I'm fine with it. But these are some epic songs. I mean, because when I first was looking at this, I had not heard this before we did the episode. And so, you know, I'm doing the thing that I do, being all grumbly and being like, yeah, this album only has seven songs on it. There's somebody better not be trying to sneak one of those EPs past me. And then I actually looked at the track length and I was like, oh, okay. So uh, Machine Head's going to go epic on this uh, on this record, which is great. I'm so happy they didn't go prog. Super slow. I'm kidding. It's not slow. It gets pretty breakneck. The intro, <laughs> the intro takes forever though. These are like these are like extended riff ideas. I don't necessarily think this is the strongest Machine Head album from a songwriting perspective because I feel like to hit these track lengths, there's a lot of repetition employed, which which bugs me on a very minor level. But then again, if I'm at work and I'm into it, I don't care if the song's eight minutes long because I'm just grooving with it. But uh, yeah, you you've got this like almost like power metal sort of sort of sound coming out of coming out of this band that we haven't heard before. And you've got the uh, the Rob Flynn choir going on uh, through a lot of the vocals, which I think is uh, a really different sound for them. You mentioned Zayo earlier, and it's topical on this album because many of the vocal passages have that several layers of hardcore vocals that I did not expect to hear on a Machine Head album. Nothing in this discography led me to believe I was going to get an overly produced hardcore vocal out of Rob Flynn. And I hate to say it, it really fucking worked. But he doesn't stay there very long. He gets right back into I Am Rob Flynn throughout the record. The songs are just too long for me. I think you're right. These are extended riff ideas that were turned into a more epic sounding album. Or these are your par for the core Machine Head songs that we tried to make more epic by putting some drawn out intros and outros on them. Can't blame the guy for trying, but if you click delete the first two minutes, what you have is a solid first half of the next Machine Head album. So it's good. It's just a little more drawn out than the previous albums would have been. Yeah, it, it's just, it's not necessarily the strongest material from a songwriting perspective, but I do think that the ideas are good. Like, I like listening to the songs, but they do tend to overstay their welcome a bit when you're used to, when you're kind of used to Machine Head kind of getting in and getting out, you know? And uh, here, yeah, they're just, they're throwing a lot at the wall in these songs, and they're trying to morph their song, or morph their sound into something new or something more original. But at the end of the day, you've, You've still just got your base of thrash metal and groove metal here, and you can add other elements to it. But you, one thing that I've noticed too is that like there's a lot of dropout where they'll be doing their machine head thing and then stop and then play a melodic part and then start being machine head again. There's a lot of that, and uh, that just goes to show that maybe some of the elements that you're trying to mix don't mix as well as you think that they do. Um, and again, this is not like a slam on this record because I would listen to this over a lot of other bands that are in the same genre. Like, I'm going to listen to this over Demon Hunter or, or something <laughs> something like that. Uh, but I think overall they did a good job. I just think it could have been better. Is it time for Bloodstone and Diamonds? Oh, I thought you would never ask. 2014. So this is where they kind of figure it out. After 20 years, they finally figured it out? No, that's not what I mean. I'm, I'm talking more specifically about the last album, how it had, you know, very few tracks and they were very long. Um, this seems almost more like the more completed idea. This album is equally as epic uh, as as uh, the Locust album, as I'll call it. I think that Rob Flynn sounds really, really, really good on this record with mixing again the 
The shouting, the singing, the screaming, the guttural, all of that sounds great. And the riffs are just epic. They're in your face, but they're not so in your face that they're like weird prog riffs that you have to like listen to four or five times. Um, this just beats you over the head in a very epic, almost power metal sort of way. Now, let's make a distinction. I am not saying that this record is power metal. I'm only saying that the epic nature of it reminds me of power metal. And uh, I think that the idea they had on this la- on the last album is more completed here uh, on Bloodstone and Diamonds. I want to go into a three-minute diatribe about how this record takes all of the previous albums and turns it into this new idea of what Machine Head is going to be. I want to be angry at this album because we're so close to the end of the discography. It's been 20 years. We're going to just keep doing the same damn thing. No, we're not. We're going to create something new, guys. I can't do that. I can't tell you that Machine Head threw out all the good ideas. They just took what they know and what they've been doing for 20 years, added a few tasteful, melodic choices, and now you have a new, heavier-sounding Machine Head that is pushing heavy metal forward. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not even trying to buy a new car. They're just trying to get everybody to the end and make it as entertaining as possible. And I think the lesson was learned on the previous album. It's not about the song being long. It's about expanding what you have and adding effective melodic elements to it. Machine Head just nailed it on this one. I think this is their best record as far as an accumulation of different styles and then perfecting on their own ideas. I found this one to be the most enjoyable to listen to during my ridiculous listen through of every Machine Head album. Uh, This is the one that I was like, okay, this is the one that's going in the playlist. This is the one that I'm going to come back to the most often. It doesn't mean everything before it sucks. It just means that this is the one that stood out to me the most and one that I really am interested in digging into a little bit harder. And I think it's, uh, it's really interesting it coming this late in their career where you basically mastered every aspect of what you do and you've perfected it. Which is why as we move on in their discography, I I have a lot of questions. You really want to talk about Catharsis in 2018, don't you? I really do. And it sounds like I'm getting ready to take just a giant steaming pile like right on it. But I'm really not. Um, I, I I have legitimate innocent questions about it. 2018. So Catharsis is like a midlife crisis on tape i don't know how else to really describe it this is not a slam on rob flynn it's just that like he went he went a lot of different directions on this one that that don't make sense because like i mean you start off with the very first song uh volatile and it's very like it starts off like the first few seconds you're like okay we're gonna be back in groove metal thrash metal you know like i'll read i'll just read to the genre tags on this record it's new metal <laughs> groove metal alternative metal and rap metal so like we've gone back quite a few years back to the kind of supercharger uh burning red sort of sound but even then i feel like the songs that are on those records are better than the songs that are on this record and i don't mean any i don't mean any disrespect here there's nothing wrong with wanting to throw back to an old style that you used to play like, I appreciate the new metal trappings of Volatile. Um, I like how angry Rob Flynn sounds. I like how noisy the track is overall. But you then immediately, like, go into the song Catharsis. And it's like the very first, the, like, the first two minutes. Because you got to think, the first song is kind of a banger. It gets you going. And then the second song is like, it's a six-minute track that does eventually get heavy. But it's just two minutes of just like noise and Rob Flynn singing softly to you. And it's like really like introspective and pretty sounding. And it's just weird to me. Like like the sequencing, it just seems really, really weird. This song's also a million years long. Did I explain that? It's an hour and 15 minutes long. <laughs> Which, you know, when you've been listening to this many albums by a band, you know, I went through this discography two times for this episode. And, um, you know, get into that last album and feeling like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go listen to my favorite shoegaze band after this. Uh, then it's like, no, you're going to, you're going to listen to this hour and 15 minute album. Now is what you're going to do. Um, I'd say new metal is probably the most prevalent style here, but then you've got songs like beyond the pale where I feel like, I don't know if he's like talking about like a bad lifestyle that he used to live or what. 
I get the impression that Rob Flynn grew up in California in like the hood and had like a really rough background. I don't know if he did or he didn't, but that's what he's singing about. So I'm going to just assume that he did. Um, It just seems like he's remembering a lot of stuff that happened like 20 years ago. When I'm listening to this album, thinking about the last eight albums we've listened to, I have to wonder if Rob Flynn is a talented guitarist and a band leader who is actually playing a different genre than what is actually coming out of these albums. Is he sitting down to write, let's just say shoegaze for a second, but he's not physically capable of it. So what you're getting is a very atmospheric album with extremely fast guitar playing, extremely fast technical guitar playing, and nobody's questioning it because it just sounds like Machine Head now. You know, 25 years ago, we were fans of Pantera. We decided just to play that style of groove metal. Zach Wilde does a similar thing. He's not playing the genre that you're hearing, but he doesn't know that. And this is the record where I really question if Rob Flynn is focusing on a specific sound? Is he sitting down doing a Lars Ulrich thing where he says, this record's going to sound like this, guys, and we have to write it this way? Or is he just using the tools that he has? And what we end up hearing might resemble heavy metal, might resemble melodic metal, might sound like new metal at times, but to him, it's just the next thing he wrote. Is it all the same to him and the other members of the band? I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's I like I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say this was Rob Flynn the album, and I think that nine albums in, who's gonna question the band leader guy? <laughs> you know, when he's like, no, it has to be this. Or and, and again, I'm not saying any of that happened, but it feels like it did. Um, whenever you have a record that that lacks cohesion in the very specific way that this record lacks cohesion, uh, you just like. Uh, lyric, we like because I, I like to pay attention to lyrics, and, and Rob Flynn is a guy that um, I, I I don't know. Like uh, what I'm trying to dig out of this is that like lyrically, it bothers me how he just flips from the past and the future, like all willy nilly. Where like one minute he's talking about like how hard it was to live to grow up in like the hood and all this stuff, and then you have a song like uh, California Bleeding, which is like y- you know almost sounds like a kid rock song in places. It's weird. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the lyrics are so quote-unquote raw and real that they would have sounded really relevant on a 90s release. But here, for lack of a better way of saying it, they just sound stupid in places. And like, I know that like Rob Flynn can do better than this, but he just tried to do a big thing here and it just wasn't, I don't think it, I don't think it resulted the way he thought that he did. And it led to um, it led to Phil Demmel, their guitarist, say he hated the album. Uh, he told Toomey that actually. Uh, if you guys, uh, we'll link the episode, the interview with uh, Joshua Toomey uh, under here, because there's moments of what I wrote that I like. I wrote most of the music to California Bleeding, but then Flynn wrote the lyrics on top of it. And I just wish that me and Dave McLean, our drummer, uh, you know, would talk about it and say, man, I wish I could take my riffs back. No, that isn't what we wanted them used for. So I think in that sense, it became a Rob Flynn solo project and it isn't what I signed up for. And I think that that's valid. And that that is kind of what I hear here. Like, I don't have anything against Rob Flynn. I think that everything he's done so far has been great. I think this is the first really big, like, kind of what were they thinking moment? Because like in this record, with it being an hour and 15 minutes, there's like 40 minutes of really good material here. And the rest of it is just like whatever Rob Flynn could come up with or, or, or whatever he decided to, to, to morph into a song. And so it's just, um, it's just weird. Like, and his vocal delivery is weird and different. Like, um, I don't know, like triple beam, triple beam and California bleeding. I have the biggest issues with because they just seem really like almost like kid rock songs. If I can, if I can say that, if I can invoke the name of kid rock on this podcast, I'll allow it. But it's just uh, it's a little bit cringe, I guess is all I can really say about it. It's got it's got some banging riffs in places. There's places where I really bang my head and I have a good time, but I have to not pay attention to the lyrics, which you guys know is really hard for me. And um, and I cringe a little bit when I'm listening to it. It's definitely one that I would actually choose to listen to for enjoyment on headphones instead of playing it out loud for other people to 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 hear. And this is after I've already told you guys that Still Sucks by Limp Biscuit is an amazing record um, because there's ways to do throwback in your sound uh, where you take all the good stuff and you play music the way we remember hearing it, 
not exactly the way that it actually was back then. I think that's the biggest distinction when you're doing a throwback is you can't, you know, make it exactly the same because there's a lot of reasons why those styles of music died out and went out of favor over time. You've got to just play the best looking version of it. And I just feel like that wasn't accomplished here. And I just hope that like, I hope that this was just that weird album by Machine Head. And the next one will just go back to what Rob had been building on the last three albums or so. I want to say it's weird, but I think the best way to describe this album is go see Machine Head live. It has that throwback heavy metal party vibe that no matter what you do on stage, the crowd is going to be into it. And I think that's the point when you're listening to Machine Head going forward. It's been like this for a while, but what it is, a band that plays whatever the hell they want, that expects the crowd to be into it. It's kind of like Rob Zombie in that way. You go see Rob Zombie live, he's going to play the hits, but he might play a random set of songs that no one has listened to in the past 20 years. But because he's decided that's what the band sounds like today, you're expected to be into it as a fan. And in a live setting, that works. So here's Machine Head bringing out that toolbox again. Well, let's write a record that sounds like what our live show sounds like. And at the end of the day, that sounds kind of random. I don't hate it. It's a heavy record by Machine Head. But if you really focus on what you're hearing, the problems are there. I don't think they're done, but there's a reason why Rob Flynn is the only remaining original member. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a weird ending. You know, normally normally when we get to the end of a career, we're like, this is the absolute pinnacle of greatness or or the band went astray for a little while and then they came back with this one and we're all back on board again. And, you know, uh, this is just a really kind of strange uh, discography where the most recent album is the one that's objectively the worst. And the one before that was objectively the best. Okay. It, my opinion was that it was the best, but I'm going to say it's objective because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm the guy on this podcast. <laughs> Final thoughts on Machine Head. Dan. I mean, up until 2018, Machine Head was a sure thing. I mean, every time you listen to a Machine Head album, you knew you were going to get a heavy, in-your-face, heartfelt record played by human beings uh, that had a lot of diversity to the sound and mixed elements that bands don't normally mix together. And they did it really well. And they did all of it without getting too up their own asses and without getting too prog and without you know, doing all the things that bands do that annoy us. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, they never really sold out or went pop. I mean, some people feel they did uh, They did that with the Burning Red, but uh, I don't know. I don't hear that. I just saw a band trying to do something different uh, or maybe trying to make a living as a band. I don't really hold that against them. Um, I just, I hate to see that later on in the discography, though, that really there wasn't the amount of care put in, care and quality control put into the project as there probably should have been. But like I said, I'm, I'm still a Machine Head fan overall. And uh, if the next record is better, then uh, I'm totally for it. At the end of the day, I'm a fan of this band. Machine Head is one of those bands that pulls from all of your favorite heavy genres. And even when it sounds weird, it's entertaining. What is the best album? It doesn't matter. You're going to enjoy 100% of this discography. You just might not be on board with the hour and 15 minute onslaught with the most recent album. That is not a reason to stop listening to Machine Head. That's a reason to go see Machine Head live. You're going to hear technical, interesting, heavy metal, and even sneak some new metal in at times. The band has some hardcore in places. They have the groove. What more could you want? For me, Machine Head is an almost perfect heavy metal experience, and everyone should listen to this band. So check out Machine Head. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week, my first album of the week for 2021. I'm sorry, 2022. See, you, you see, the last two years have just been one giant long month for me. <laughs> so I have to, you know, I have to really jump in there and, and, and say that my album of the week for 2022 is uh, the mixtape album uh, Clouds by NF. Unless you do a lot of metal, we've got so many banging metal heavy bands for 2022 to talk about that I needed a little bit of a palate cleanser, so I listened to a little bit of that emotional hip-hop that I enjoy so very, very much. I'm stuck on this band, Dead. That's right, Dead. D-E-D. -E and their album, School of Thought. It's basically new metal. 
And when I thought it was a thing that Dan and Jeff needed to hear, I immediately got a response. Oh yeah, we know. It was hardcore. Then it wasn't hardcore. It's still good. And if you subscribe to Patreon for $1, you'll get to hear what we think about both of those albums. But this is the one you should listen to this week. Take us out, DFT. If you guys like this podcast and you want to reach out to us and communicate with us, we love communicating with you. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook or message us there at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can follow us on Instagram at Discuss Metal. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send an email to Show at gmail.com. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can you can go about this. You can write us a letter. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to write us a snail mail letter. But you can join our Discord server where we are chatting 24-7 with fans of the show. I'm in there. Joe's in there. Jeff's in there. Even some of the co-hosts that pop up now and again are in there, as well as most of our Patreon subscribers. And speaking of Patreon, if you feel so compelled to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. And uh, we'll have links in the show notes that'll take you to all of these wonderful places. And uh, we sincerely hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you are in a band or you own a company or you want to sponsor us in any sort of way, send us an email, like I said, at gmail.com and we will see what we can do to make that happen for you. And on that note, this has been episode 254 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. I want to Scrooge McDuck into your money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Yes.